Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'll start. My name is Rod, and I like to party. Do you mean whiskey? What? You're saying it weird. Saying what weird? All of it. Where do you get off? Hey there, Church Planner. This is Robert Frazier, and there's no Tim Galley today. Just a special episode with just me. It's late on Wednesday the 14th, and I'm finally getting away for just a little while. Probably be a short episode today without smack talk but um here we are it's wednesday night and i've had a a really full day which hasn't been normal during this sabbatical season for me but it's been a really good day got to connect with some folks um got to I, i had a couple of business meetings and then along the way in those business meetings two of those opportunities were folks that are people of peace in my life People that I love, people that I'm connected with, people that I'm able to do some business with. Um, I'm I do I have a, a digital marketing company that's my bivocational side hustle, and uh, I was able to sit down with a guy who um, works with a real estate group that we partner with, who's a mortgage broker, and we went for nine holes of golf this afternoon so it it had a sabbatical flair to this business meeting but we got two hours to you know I, i hit a 50 so it wasn't a terrible round of golf it was a pretty average round of golf for me uh nine holes and along the way he and i had some amazing conversations um he's he's a follower of jesus and goes to a, a local church here in the valley. But I got to share with him a bit about our church planning journey. Got to share with him about um, how God had been working in my life and what I've been learning in this season of sabbatical and opportunities that I have to impact and and uh, have great spiritual conversations with um, the people that I do business with. And what it reminded me of is that the work that we do um, as church planners, too often we think of it as the work of creating an organization. 
of starting a little nonprofit that has regular meetings and a constituency that gives money and volunteers towards a mission. But in reality, the work of church planting is us, followers of Jesus, saying yes to God's calling in our life to go out into the world to plant our lives in a place. Maybe that's a workplace. Maybe that's a neighborhood. Maybe maybe that's a uh, an industry. Maybe that's a kid's sports team or a school or wherever God puts your life. And then as missionaries, as apostles, as people called to live on mission with God, we start to plant seeds of the gospel. And that looks like friendship. That looks like deep conversation. That looks like sharing our lives. Um, one of the key ways I do that is by asking people for help. Now, this is one of those counterintuitive church planting methods, but what you'll realize is that when you're planting, you're going to want to offer your strength. You're going to want to gather resources and people who can go serve other people because it feels good to be the person offering to serve somebody else. But what you see in Jesus, what you see in his disciples and apostles is that Jesus sends out both his his 12 and his 72, and he sends them out in a position of need where they will go out and they're not going to bring anything with them. They're going to enter into a town and they're going to ask people for hospitality. They're going to ask people, can I stay with you? Tell them what they're doing. And then if people offer them hospitality, they're supposed to stay in that place and share the gospel until grace leaves that place, until there's less opportunity, and then they walk away until they're not welcome anymore. They stay in that place. And what you see with the disciples, what you see with Jesus, is that he never comes into a relationship with someone who's far from him bringing his strength. He always starts with bringing his need, almost always starts with bringing his need. You see with the woman at the well, Jesus doesn't say, hey, let me grab some water for you. What he says is, hey, could you give me some water? Because he doesn't have a pail, because he's not from there, because he is a he's a foreigner in that land, primarily in Samaria. Jesus brings his need and invites that person to serve him. And in serving him, creates a connection with him because they feel strong and they feel known and seen by serving him. It gives him opportunity to then ask questions and understand them, to connect with them, to share life together. This is a kingdom principle that too often church planners think I need a half million dollars and I need a staff team and I need a building and I need all of the greatest technology um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to put something on to serve the community around me. But what if God is calling you to exist in a place and invite people to serve you so that you get connected with them by humbling yourself, putting yourself underneath the people around you and saying, I need something from you. How does that, how does that feel? 
does it, as a church planner, as a as a church leader, does it grade against something in you where you start to feel maybe exposed, maybe insecure? This is a, a particularly a American value of self-sufficiency that says we need to find ways to not need others so that we're not a burden on them, which it, it can sound like a good thing. But not being a burden on somebody also makes it so that we're not connected with other people. They don't need us and we don't need them. And so we don't share our lives together. I, one of my neighbors, he is an incredible servant. Like everywhere you look, he knows what's happening in our neighborhood. Gary is his name. He knows what's happening in our neighborhood because... He is always saying, hey, I'll show up. He cuts people's tree branches down. He does yard work for them. He's like the first call in the neighborhood because he is such a good helper. And what happens with me, like for some reason with Gary, like I want to be self-sufficient. I don't want to need him. and I don't want to need his tools. So instead of making Gary my first call... I like will go down to the rental store and find a tool there or I'll go to my spiritual community, my church community and say, hey, who has a dethatcher? Who has, you know, one of those rollers to even out my yard? Um, whatever, whatever tool it is that I'm looking for, I'd rather go to somebody in our faith community because it's an easier ask than humbling myself in front of Gary and saying, I need you. But what Gary needs is for me to need him. Gary needs for me to enter in and share my life with him and share my need and share what's happening. And too often, I'd rather be self-sufficient than invite his help. Uh, this this last week, we had, um, last seven years, our church plant, we created a sports and arts camp called Made for This that um, we've done for seven years. And there's about 50 churches that we we share that with online and help support this sports and arts camp. One of the, one thing we do every single year is we invite people who are far from Jesus to come serve alongside of us in putting on this sports and arts camp. And that seems counterintuitive. There's a lot of churches who will do these weird things where they'll be like, you can't serve at VBS if you don't, you know, if if you have sin in your life or you can't go on this mission trip unless you've, you know, walked with Jesus for a certain amount of time. And what we've discovered is that people want to be a part of the Jesus mission way before they believe or understand the kingdom of God or understand Jesus. They actually love being a part of a team and serving the community and loving on kids and families and being present with events that are happening. And so one of the things we'll do as we're preparing for our sports and arts camp, we'll have, you know, probably a hundred and some kids at uh, one of our sports and arts camp and 150 kids at the other sports and arts camp. We'll bring in, like I invited my, uh, my neighbors, our friends who I coach T-ball and baseball with. And I just said, Hey, come be a part. And they both led, um, some of the small group teams that went around and while they're there, their kids are there, they're connecting with our folks. And at the same time, um, they're hearing this like good news message 
from our teaching team that God made them for a purpose. God made them to create, and God loves them unconditionally. We just do pre-evangelism, just kind of set the stage for evangelism to take root in their lives. And while they're serving alongside of us, they see that it's true because they experience it alongside of us <clears throat> as we're as we're partnering together to love and serve our neighbors and the kids that go to our kids' school and the kids who are on our sports teams and the kids that, you know, from other churches that drive in because they're looking for some free childcare in the evening. What'll happen is they they just step in and and experience God in powerful ways. And you can't underestimate how much, how powerful it is for me to say to them, we need you. For me as a pastor to say, hey, we'd love your help, and I think you you really enjoy it. And every year they want to be a part. Our friend Joe is, he's a follower of Jesus who has sat on the sidelines of faith for a long time. Um, my wife worked with him years ago, and he's just part of our family. And anytime I can, I invite him to come be a part of what we're doing because he loves to connect and be a part of our lives. He's a part of the people of peace. Our, the The texture of our lives is revolves around people like him partnering and being a part of our lives. And so when we do sports and arts camp, we say, Joe, come on out. And he's I think he served like five or six years in a row teaching dance classes at our sports and arts camp. The guy loves doing it because he loves us, because he wants to serve us, and he feels connected to us when we invite him in that way. And it's because we love Joe and we want to share our lives with him that we invite him in. And all this is to say, as a church planter, our work is to humble ourselves. Our work as leaders is to say, I don't have what I need. And I need God to provide. And he's going to provide in unexpected ways. And that starts with me asking people, would you participate in what God's doing? It does some really good things for our hearts. It humbles us to say it's not about us. It stops us from saying, I have to be the solution. I have to be the one who knows how everything works. I've got to make everything happen out of my own strength. Our organization has to be strong and proud and able to handle anything that comes along. Um, all those things are about pride. They're about uh, us positioning ourselves as as strong resources. But when the God of the universe came and made his home among us, he started in this position of absolute need. And he made his first disciple of his mother by inviting her to care for him. To participate in the kingdom of God by helping him become who he's meant to be. And then when he starts hanging out with his disciples, he starts by asking them to walk with him and asking them to serve him and asking them to cast their nets on the other side and asking them to leave behind something and be a part of what he's up to. He's building a team of people who, uh, fundamentally, his disciples still won't understand what they're saying yes to and what the kingdom of God is and that he's the Messiah 
and what that means for them and how their lives are going to be changed by it, it's going to take them the better part of, you know, three, four, maybe even seven years, depending on your history. Those disciples are going to jump in without knowing anything and they're going to participate in the kingdom of God way before they believe, way before they know. And Jesus, all along the way, is inviting his disciples to serve him. Even at the very end, at the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus invites his disciples to come pray alongside of him because he needs them. He needs them to be present with him. He needs them to walk with him. He needs them to pray for him. He needs them to care for him emotionally and spiritually in those moments of of torture in the garden. And and, it's, and he's very disappointed when they don't show up and when they don't care for him and they don't do what he needs. Jesus is bringing along his disciples by sharing with them the God of the universe, humbling himself, taking on the very form of humanity, as Ephesians says. As Philippians 2 says, sorry. Um taking on the very form of humanity and then humbling himself even to the point of death and death on the cross. In those very last moments, he's he's still, I I love when, I think it's the, I think it's John um, where Jesus has Mary and John there and, and he asks one last thing of John. He says, John, care for my mother. And he tells Mary, this is your son. (laughs) He's still going to his disciples and asking them, would you participate in this work of caring for one another when I'm not here? So as, as you're planting, as you're called into ministry, as you're doing the work of leadership, where are you humbling yourself and saying, I can't do this without God coming through and without people coming through for me? I think it's easier to trust God to provide than to ask people to be a part of it. What does that look like for for you in ministry? You know, for, for many of us, I'm, as I'm on the sabbatical, I've had to ask. There's going to be about a half dozen people who will, who will preach alongside or for me this summer. And throughout the year... I have about 10 people who preach with me. And I put myself in a position where I say, I need you to to help me out so that I don't burn out. So that I don't take on too much and so that I have enough space in my life to do the things God's called me to. And our community needs different voices who have different values and different opinions and different ways of seeing God and understanding his word. And... It requires me as a leader to say, I am not the end-all, be-all of communicators and and the arbiter of truth in our community. And so try taking a sabbatical. It requires you to deeply need other people in ways that you can't even imagine, even entrusting to them things that are more precious to you than almost anything in your life. Saying, I need you to show up for me and make decisions for me because I can't be there. It's this deeply humbling thing. And that's a part of the formation that God is doing in us as we lead, as we teach, 
as we build these communities of faith, as we plant the gospel and see churches emerge in our cities. It starts with each of us saying, I don't have what it takes and God has to come through and I'm going to need people to be a part of it. And so that's a little that's a little breakout from the last couple of weeks where we've been talking about burnout, but it is deeply tied to burnout. And this is something I think I've said before, but I'm going to say it again. We burn out and we struggle with overwork because we believe that we are indispensable to the work. We believe as leaders that we're the only ones who can make it happen. And ironically, if we're following in the way of Jesus and we watch him, he's the only person on earth who never had a sense of a Messiah complex where he was indispensable to it. Jesus went about his work without without uh, saying, I have to do this. He never felt this. You don't see Jesus in a hurry. Um, you don't see Jesus stressed about what's in front of him because he doesn't have any sense that if he doesn't do his work, God's not the Father's not going to do what he wants. He's completely at ease in the Father's timing, in the Father's methods, in the Father's... Um, in, in the community that he draws around Jesus. And that's what we have to become as Jesus followers, is to say, I'm not going to have a Messiah complex. If my church fails, the kingdom of God's still going to move forward. It will not, it will not be stopped. Even the gates of hell will not prevail against God building his kingdom in this world. And so our work is to say, God, whatever part I have to play, I'm going to step in and I'm going to be a part of it without feeling like God himself needs us. He wants us. He wants us to be a part of it. He wants us to experience the incredible power of the gospel to transform lives. He wants us to see how his spirit's at work in the world and join him in it. But he doesn't want us to walk around going, if I don't do what God wants me to do, the whole world is going to fall apart. Because that's what leads to burnout. That's what leads to an ego that is the size of Texas that will destroy your staff and destroy your church because you are so important that if your church community doesn't exist, God's gospel is not going to go forth. That's a lie. It's a lie from your heart. It's a lie from the pit of hell that God wants to release us from, to say it's a joy and a privilege. And and as my my friend, Dr. Mamie, who preached for me this week, she's an 87-year-old woman, um, she's a pastor down the street at this African-American church. And she said it's a privilege and an imperative to, to serve God and, and to bring him pleasure by doing what he's called us to. There's something so powerful about that because it's, if we don't do it, the rocks are going to cry out and God's going to raise up other people. But if we do it, we get to see and participate in what God's up to. So we're not little saviors, we're not little messiahs, we're not little Christ. And maybe that's my problem with the word Christian, is that it means little messiahs. I like being Jesus followers because it takes away from our sense of being the saviors. And instead, we're the ones who are participating in the saving. 
or participating in being saved, or participating in the kingdom of God coming to life as we follow the methods and the strategies and the ways that Jesus does things without any pressure, but rather with pleasure. I like that. Well, this has been a little different uh, Church Planter podcast episode on a Wednesday. Tim was out this week, so I got to have a little time by myself. This is Robert Frazier um, coming to you from Boise, Idaho, late at night on Wednesday the 14th. And I just want to say we love you, Church Planter, and make sure to connect with our community online, on our social. And would you do us a favor and uh, give us a review? Wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it's Spotify or Stitcher or Google Play or Apple Podcasts, wherever it is, just take a second, you know, give us a few stars, maybe just one star. We'll probably make fun of you if you give us one star reviews. That's what that's what we do around here. But if you give us a five star review, uh, we're thankful because it helps other church planners connect with what we're doing. We're just passionate about serving you guys and love you. Make sure to connect on social media. You want to find me, you can find me on Instagram at Bobby C. Frazier, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R. Love to connect. Drop me a DM and let's talk. Take care, friends. Thanks for listening to today's episode. This episode was brought to you by Church Web Builder. If you've been meaning to scrap your terrible WordPress church website, or you just need to actually sit down and make your church plants website, let this be assigned to you. With Church Web Builder's library of church-specific templates and integrations, and the included all-in-one marketing and communication platform, a beautiful new website is literally sitting there waiting for you to take it. Go to churchwebbuilder.io and use the code PLANTER at checkout. You'll get 50% off your first year. Yes, five zero. 50% off your entire first year. Again, go to churchwebbuilder.io and use the code PLANTER. For more from the Church Planter Podcast, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at Church Planter Podcast and on Twitter at C Planter Mag. We'd love to connect. See you next time.